Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crofferville. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Chuck Coburn as he teaches from the Word of God. We don't do this very often, but I'm going to ask the men of the church if they would come join me at the altar. I want us to open up with a word of prayer. It's always such a blessing. To see this many men in the house of the Lord. Amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much this morning. For allowing us to come and just to be in your very presence. Lord, we thank you that this is. The place that we find peace and comfort and relaxation. Father, this is the place where we're encouraged, where we're built up, where we are to be transformed in the image and likeness of you. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a church family, a church body that we truly can encourage each other. Now, Lord, your word says that you open a door that no man can close. So I ask this morning that you would open up ears, you would open up eyes, and you'd open up hearts that no one could close so that they could hear, so they could see, and they could truly receive the truths and the word that you have for them. And Father, today we want to glorify you in all that's said and done in this place. So I pray that you'll be lifted up. And I pray that you will draw every single person unto you. And I ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. little boy was hanging around with his grandmother and he said grandma how old are you (laughs) not a real good question to ask she smiled and said I am 39 and holding (laughs) he thought for a minute he said well grandma how old would you be if you let go You know, sometimes we try to hang on to things we don't need to be hanging on to. And then there are things we're supposed to be hanging on to that we can't figure out what we did. You young people won't understand that, but 
some of you will understand this. Have you ever like put your cell phone down and cannot remember where it's at? Now, fortunately, we have Find My Phone and all those kind of neat devices today. But come on, you've been there. You put your phone down. You're like, where in the world has my phone gone? Or how about your car keys? Have you spent numerous minutes fasting and praying, Lord, I've got to have my keys or I won't be able to make it? <laughs> Trying to figure out where they've gone. You had them at one point in time. You set them down somewhere and now they're gone. How about your reading glasses? For those of us who have reached the mature age and we need help looking, see if you become wise. See, when you first try to become a reader, you don't do this. But after a little while after reading, you realize you have one in the vehicle, you have one in your bedroom, you have one in the kitchen, you got one at your office. I mean, you got them everywhere. And then you still lose one and you can't figure out where they've gone. I am not making this up. I watched one person not so long ago, they could not find their reading glasses. And they were looking and looking and looking. Tom Walsh already knows where they're at. They were on top of her head. <laughs> I had a family member that um, lost their driver's license. They looked and looked and looked and could not find it to save their life. A few months later, my wife is reaching down in between the the side of the couch and the cushion of the couch and finds the driver's license. We just lose things for whatever it is. Now, this is the best one, and I am not making this one up either. When Jennifer and I were uh, first married, we had two little girls, and uh, we had Jalen and Carly. And my father-in-law and mother-in-law came over to the house to babysit while we went out. When we come home, my father-in-law is in a mass panic. I mean, he is teared up crying. He says, I have lost Carly. I don't know what I have done with her. <laughs> Do you know where Carly was at? He was holding her. <laughs> I am not making that up. He was holding her. This morning, I want to talk to you about losing it. <laughs> and I'm not talking about your mind. <laughs> and I'm not talking about those things. But... We need to get to the place in our life where we begin to learn how to lose some things. And you're going to find this in Mark chapter 8. So if you have the word of God, turn with me to Mark chapter 8. And we're going to be reading verses 34 through 36. This is Jesus talking. And this is what he says in Mark chapter 8. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35 is the key verse. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his own soul. The Bible's always filled with some great paradoxes. So let me get this right. In order to gain my life, I've got to lose it. Because if I hold on to my life, I'll lose it. If I exalt myself, 
I will be humbled. But if I humble myself, I'm going to be exalted. Because see, if I'm weak, then God can make me strong. And if I really want to be the greatest, I have to be a servant. And probably the most powerful one is when I'm crucified with Christ, he will truly live in and through me. Interesting paradoxes that we read. And today I want to just talk to you about losing your life. You know, when the Bible mentions a subject, I mean, it's important. Anything the Bible talks about, it's important. Even if it's just mentioned one time, we know it's important. But what you're going to find out about a man losing his life, it is mentioned seven times in the New Testament. It's mentioned six times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, Matthew and Luke mention it twice. And then the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians mentions it once. So we have seven times in the New Testament where we read this concept. In order for you and I to really live, we're going to have to let go of our life. We're going to have to lose it. So what that should tell you and me is that this is a very important concept. It's a very key truth in your life and in my life for us to be able to live and live abundantly and live holy and live godly. And as strange as it sounds, the key to winning in life is losing. Isn't that weird? The key to winning is losing. And Jesus mentions that. So you may ask the question this morning, what do I need to lose? Well, there are numerous things we need to lose. But this morning, I just want to give you four. Let me give you four things this morning we need to lose. First of all, we need to learn to lose the world's identity. We have to lose the world's identity. Luke makes that very clear in Luke chapter 17. In fact, it's an interesting verse. And this is what it says in Luke 17, verse 28 and 29. It says, And the world will be as it is in the days of Lot. And you can go back to Genesis chapter 19 and read about the days of Lot. People went about their daily business. And notice I have that highlighted, that people went about their daily business. Eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. That's interesting. People went about their daily business. In other words, their whole concept of life was worldly business. Notice with, that it talked about their daily business. Eating, drinking, selling, farming, building. Notice that it doesn't mention anything about worshiping, praying, fasting, seeking God. Because he was nowhere on the peripheral of their mind. Their mindset was all about the world. Their mind was strictly focused on how do I make it in this life? How do I get better in this life? How do I enjoy this life and the things I can party in and have in this life? What's funny is that most people who have been around church a while, 
notice Sodom and Gomorrah for one thing and one thing only. And that is what? Homosexuality. But that wasn't Sodom's problem. Are you shocked? You don't believe me, do you? Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 49 and 50. This is what Sodom's problem was. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters, we're talking about neighboring cities, neighboring towns. Notice what their problem was. Number one, pride. Excess of food. Prosperous ease. But they did not aid the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me. So I removed them when I saw it. Notice that homosexuality is not mentioned till the very end. That wasn't the, pri- the problem with Sodom. The problem with Sodom was that they were prideful. Have you seen any nation more prideful than the one that we live in? None of us ever, ever want to admit we're wrong. When we need to admit we're wrong. It's hard for a man or a woman today to admit they're wrong. And if they do admit they're wrong, they're only doing it because they have to. Not because they're truly repentant because they are. Also, they had an excess of food and prosperous ease. It won't take long to figure out if we have an excess of food in America. <laughs> uh, we can all look around at each other and go, yep, you're the product of the excess of food. I can see it. <laughs> Prosperous ease. Do you realize we are the richest nation in the world? We're not broke. Not close. Neither was Sodom. And they didn't take care of those who were in need. And finally, what topped it all off was they abandoned everything that the Lord had commanded and they went after the wrong things in life. Homosexuality. They were so focused on the daily things of life, they missed out on the most important thing of life, which was a personal relationship with the Lord of creation. That's what they missed out on. Now, I know it's easy for us to say, yep, I know how that is. They shouldn't have done that. But do you realize we spend more time on social media than we do in the Word of God? Do you realize we spend more time TikToking than we do praying? And the reason why is because We have it made. Got a good house, a good job. I really don't need the Lord. We just come to church because we're trying to just make sure we don't ruffle God's feathers wrong. Punch our ticket in for today. Get our check mark on attendance for heaven. And that doesn't work. A lot of Christians today are like a chameleon. You ever seen the chameleon? Chameleon will go over to like a brown stick and he turns brown. And if he goes over to a green leaf, he turns green. We show up to church on Sunday mornings and we're all holy and righteous. And then when we leave church on Sunday and start our job on Monday, 
we're just as ungodly and worldly as everybody else. The world can't tell us apart from anybody else because we just blend right in. See, what the world needs to see today more than ever is a light. You don't need favor of the world. You need the favor of the Lord. You don't need to be accepted. Thank you. You don't need to be accepted by the world. You need to be accepted by Jesus Christ. And you say, you don't understand, Pastor, I could be fired for my job. Well, praise the Lord if you are fired for your job. You don't think God won't provide you another job? Stand up. Make it known. Make it claimed. Listen, you know who you are. I don't have to tell you. I, about a year ago, my wife uh, was down at a conference in Orlando. And I did what every loving husband did. I went down to Orlando with her. You know, make sure she was safe at the hotel. But, you know, my wife had to go to the conference and I wasn't allowed. So I did what I should have done. I played golf. <laughs> hey, I'm not as stupid as I look, okay? You know? Well, was interesting. They paired me up with these three guys. And when I first got there, you know, they were doing the typical four-letter words. You know, and the reason why they call it golf, because all the other four-letter words are taken. Uh, if you've ever played golf, you understand it will really try your faith. But these guys had some colorful language. And I never forget, I said, guys, you don't mind, I like to pray. So I prayed before we teed off, and we got on the first tee box, and we teed off, and we got down to number one, and we were finishing up hole number one, and there was still some language going on. And finally, one of the men let go of the word that I never let go of. He took the Lord's name in vain. I said, sir, let me tell you what, we're going to stop right here. I will not play with you, and I will not allow that while I'm playing. He said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, I didn't realize that offended you. He said, are you like a pastor or something? It's amazing how that, you know, the clicking, you know, and I'm like, yes, I am. I am a pastor. Oddly enough, those three men never said another vulgar word for the next 17 holes. So my thinking is, well, let me get this right. You can turn it off in front of me, but you can't turn it off anywhere else because they're the chameleon. They're just trying to fit in. Listen, you can't fit in. You will never fit in in this world. If you really want your life to be different, allow Jesus Christ to make it different. Do you realize you're never, ever, ever going to find your true self in a magazine or on social media? You're never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to have true peace. Listen to me, changing your body parts or having surgery. For you see, you spend too much time trying to win the admiration of men rather than winning the admiration and the approval of God. And when you finally surrender your life to Jesus Christ, He will make you the person you are supposed to be. It doesn't matter how short you are. It doesn't matter how tall you are. It doesn't matter how bald you are. It doesn't matter how much hair you are. 
I am a child of the Most High God. I have been forgiven. I have been redeemed. I have been transformed. Not quite there yet, but he's still working on me. But I am being transformed. You know why? Because it's not me. It's him. And when I fall up under Jesus Christ and I surrender everything to me, I don't care what the world says about me. I don't care what the world thinks about me. I care what Christ says about me. And my confidence, my peace, my assurance, my abilities come from him and not anywhere else. So young people, please hear me today. No surgery, no social media will ever give you the identity you need until you get it from the one who created you, who is Jesus Christ. He is your identity. <clears throat> so let's learn to let go of the world. The next thing we need to do is lose yourself. Yeah. It's not all about you. One of the most wonderful things that we have next door, if you have never been over in our children's building, you need to go over our children's worship center. All in every room in the worship center is Jesus with a little child. But when you walk in, the very first thing you'll see towards the back of the wall is that the center of the universe is not you, it's Him. And our children are being taught, thank you for our for Pastor Lori, our children's pastor, who are teaching our children that it's about Jesus, not about you. And when we learn that it's about Jesus and not about me, life gets real good. Have you not figured that out yet? That the harder you try to make life about you, the worse it gets. If it's always got to be your way, if it's always got to go to the places where you want to go, man, something's wrong. That's so narcissistic. But we live in that world today. I mean, after all, I mean, hey, give, give companies credit for marketing. I phone. I pad. It's all about me. And it shouldn't be. When you finally let go of you and let Christ get in your life, it makes all the difference. But we're too busy trying to strive to be the best person we can be, gain as many things we can gain while running over people doing it. And what we don't realize is when we get to the very top, we're empty, we're crushed. You know, a man who's wrapped up in himself makes for a very small gift. It may be time we quit thinking so much about ourselves and start thinking about other people. Back when Richard Nixon was our president, he had a special counsel underneath him. And one of the council members' name was Charles Colson, Chuck Colson. And... He was known as the hatchet man. The thing about Chuck was that he had been in the military. He had moved his way up in the ranks of the military. He was in the Navy. 
And then all of a sudden, he got started in the political scene. He helped some people uh, in their political arena. And the next thing you know, now he's working for the president of the United States. And his mind is just thinking where he's going next. He's got big aspirations. The problem was, during the Nixon administration, there was a little bit of a scandal going on called the Watergate. And he got arrested and he went to prison. But in prison, Colson found Jesus. And for Colson, it wasn't jailhouse religion. When Jesus Christ changed his life, Jesus Christ changed his life. And when Colson got out of prison, he started a prison ministry. And it's called Prison Fellowship International. Prison Fellowship International has been going on since 1976. It is the largest uh, prison ministry reaching uh, company in the world. It is in 120 different countries. When he was saved and God gave him a second chance, he realized that prisoners need a second chance. And he founded a nonprofit company to give prisoners a way of trying to incorporate them back into the real world, try to get them out of the mess they're in and help them back to a new way of life. Did wrong things. God saved him. God gave him a ministry. And that ministry is growing stronger to the day than it's ever been. See, when you meet Jesus... And you follow after his plan for your life rather than your plan for your life. You will not be forgotten. You'll be remembered. That's why we talk about King David, the Apostle Paul, Billy Graham, Chuck Colson. Because God saved their lives. God gave them a purpose and a mission in life. And they have fulfilled that. You don't all have to be preachers, pastors, missionaries. You can. But you can do just as much work for the kingdom of God as a construction worker, as a school teacher, as a bus driver, as a gardener, you name it, than we can do as in the pulpit. God's called each and every one of us with a plan. And when you surrender your life to Him, you'll figure that out. Number three, the third thing we need to learn to lose is temporal, trivial things. Paul understood that so clearly. In Philippians, Paul talks about the things that he used to thought were gain. He says, now they're loss. And the things I used to think that were loss, he says, now I count them gain. See, Paul was one of the most popular, prominent men in his day. He came from an influential family. He studied in the highest school systems there were. I mean, he was almost like the Pope of our day. I mean, he was so popular. But the problem is, is that Paul was going for all the wrong things. He wanted power. He wanted popularity. He wanted position. And that's what he focused his entire life on. Now, please don't misunderstand me. We need to work and be good stewards of what God's given us and plan wisely for like retirement and things of that nature. But you have to understand that's temporal. That stuff will fade away. That's right. If you don't believe me, 
why don't you ask the 124,000 people who lost their pensions when United Airlines folded up in 2005? Why don't you ask the folks at Enron when Enron folded up in 2000? Companies that they put all their hopes and positions in and they lost their retirement. I'm not saying it's not wise to plan. Please plan. But I can tell you, I'm not banking my hope in finances. I'm banking my hope in the one who gave me my finances, Jesus Christ. That's who you need to make your hope in. And when you bank your hope in that, when you quit chasing the temporary, trivial things in life, God's going to bless you. It was interesting. I I did some research this morning, and I'm going to ask them to uh, put it up on the screen. Here are the top seven things that people are interested in today. And what's funny is when I Googled search this, when I looked at these... when I did the top 10 things, when I clicked this website, this website, this website, these things were number one in people's lives. I want to make sure I have a good mental health. I want to make sure I have good physical health. Uh, make sure I have a good family. Make sure I have a good education, have a good career, have good finances, and of course have fun and have hobbies. Now all those things are good. What's missing? Do you see the Lord anywhere in that? So they're going to gain all these seven things, and when they get to the end, they're going to be the most miserable, the most empty, the most lonely person in all the world, because they're focusing on the temporal rather than the eternal. And if you and I aren't careful, we'll get so focused on the temporal and not the eternal that we miss out on the the joys and the blessings that God gives us. Now, let me be honest, you're not alone, and I'll prove that to you. So this is a parrot. It's a golf club cover, actually. Um, and what's interesting about this parrot, you can buy it on Amazon for about $30. I play golf with four guys. And actually, this parrot belonged to one of our former board members. His name was John Brown. And John Brown used to play golf with us. And we used to think this was the most ugly, the most hideous parrot we ever saw. But what was really strange that when John passed away, I asked his family members, if you don't mind, I'd like to have the parrot. And so me and three other guys, we play for the parrot. Because it's just an honor to have the parrot. If you get the lowest score when you play, you get the parrot. The problem is, is that when I first started playing against the other three guys, I wasn't that good. I'm still really not that good now. But the key was to win the parrot. Church, I got so mentally focused on winning this stupid bird (laughs) that I missed out on the joy of fellowshipping with three other fellow Christians. I would get angry with myself. I would get up. I, I would just be mad. And the whole reason I did that was all because of this $30 Stupid bird. And then a few months ago, maybe a little longer, I started winning the bird. And uh, I realized, I said, Lord, you know, how foolish was I to waste valuable time with three godly men 
over a dumb bird. Now, you laugh, but some of you are so focused on something so materialistic right now that you're missing out on some of the most prized relationships in your life. Don't miss that up. Make sure that the material things are not priority one. Let me give you a better one. Back in May, we had a FCA, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes gala here. And one of the, our, our guest speaker was Corey Simon. Corey's one of our senators from Florida. And Corey's such a neat guy to be around. And Corey played football for FSU. Uh, he played from 1996 to 99 under Coach Bobby Bowden. Uh, Corey went on to play for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Tennessee Titans. Just a neat guy. But one of the things that Corey was sharing with us is that when he turned pro, all the questions that most people wanted to ask him was not tell us about the national championship. How was it to win a national championship? He said the number one question that most pro players asked him was, what was it like to play for Coach Bobby Bowden? And Corey thought, you know, that's interesting. I haven't really thought about that in that regard. And then Corey went on to say that Bobby Bowden was like a father to everybody. And he said, one of the things I remembered so much about Coach Bowden, he said, you're going to think this is strange and odd. He said, when we won the national championship, I didn't see Bobby Bowden get real excited. He said, if we lost something, I didn't see Bobby Bowden cry. He said, but what I did see over and over and over again, that when Coach Bowden led one of our players to the Lord, he would cry and thank Jesus. They remember Coach Bowden not as a coach, but as a godly man that fathered them and led them to Jesus Christ. Wow. See, Coach Bowden, known for one of the greatest coaches in collegiate history, two national championships. What he's going to be known for by the men that were around him is not a college football coach, as a godly man that showed them how to live and led them to Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. We need to be important on that. Number four, the last one. The last thing you and I need to lose is the past. We got to lose the past. Let's go back. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. This is Jesus again. We're talking about losing your life. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be a follower, you must give your own way, give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. That's key. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what will it benefit you to gain the world, yet lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus says, you've got to learn to let go of things. You've got to quit hanging on to things. Remember grandma at the beginning of the, the message, hanging on to 39? You've got to learn to let go of that. It's not going to take you long to figure out that each and every one of us have been hurt in life. We've got scars. 
We all do. It's just life. But you see, hopefully the only scars you'll ever see on this pastor is the scars of a nail-scarred hand that cover up my scars. Because he's the one that's healed me. He's the one that's delivered me. He's the one that set me free. Back in 1975, there was a movie out called Jaws. And, and, and there's, a, there's a scene in Jaws where the three men are out in a boat and they, they all start talking about all these scars that they have. You know, this scar was by this shark, this scar was by this shark. And finally, I like how Richard Dreyfuss says, do you see this scar right here? This scar was by Mary so-and-so. She broke my heart, you know. And it's a lighthearted, funny moment. But the thing about it is, all of our hearts have been broke. They've been crushed. And what you need to understand this morning, that there's nobody in the world that can heal your broken dreams, your broken heart, your broken life. Only Jesus can. No bottle can. No vape can. No vacation can. It's only Jesus who can do that very thing. So often I talk to people and this is the comment that I get from them. Well, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I've been hurt real bad. I mean, it was a rough divorce. It, it was a rough upbringing. And so now I have those things in my life and they're going to be there forever. See, the people who say, you don't know what they did to me. Guess what they don't know? See, you don't know what God can do for you and can do to you. Because He can heal you. But as long as you drag around your past, as long as you have unforgiveness, as long as you have animosity, you can't truly be loved and love others. And so many people are holding on to grudges, holding on to things. And what's sad is our very world we live in tries so hard to create division and animosity among us. Church, we're one people. We bleed the same blood. We have the same Heavenly Father. We should walk in a heavenly light. Let me close with this this morning. Come here, baby. That's my wife. <laughs> so, this box represents your past. It's got scars. You've got some memories. you got some things that are on here. Maybe divorce. Maybe a rough childhood. I don't know. There's a lot of things that go on in there. And here you are holding them. Okay? You've got them. You're carrying them around. Some of you have been carrying them around way too long. Okay? Jesus says, I want to love you. And when Jesus tries to love you, He can't because you're holding animosity. Rejection, anger, unforgiveness between the two of you. And Christ does what He should do. Let me have those. I'll take those from you. And you know what you do? You pull away. You won't let Him have them. 
It's almost like some of you want to be miserable. It's almost like some of you want to dwell on being broken and being shattered. And what Jesus does, he says, listen, let me have them. And so he takes them from you and he puts them away. And you know what you do? You reach right back around and pick them up. See, in order for a man to lose his life, you understand that? In order for one to lose it, you first must have it. You need to get that key this morning. In order for you to lose something, you've got it. And what Jesus says, you've got a hold of your life. You're controlling your life. And in order for you to lose it, you've got to let it go. Because you have control of it. The only way you're ever going to have true life is that you've got to allow God to take these things from you. Let, see how she let it go? You've got to let it go. And you've got to let Him keep them and take them away from you and so that He will lose them so you'll never see them again. And once you lose them, then you get... You get the warm embrace. What are you holding on to this morning? Isn't it time you say, you know what, Chuck, I'm tired of being lonely. I am tired of being let down. I am tired of unforgiveness in my life. I'm tired of having this hatred. I'm tired of coming up on the short end. It's time you lose it. But you can't lose it until you let it go. But when you let it go, Jesus is going to embrace you. Will those memories be there? Yeah, they still come around. But see, when those memories come around, you say, nope. I've got a loving Father that just loves me and holds me and encourages me. It's time this morning that you take what's ever in your life You bring it to the altar, you give it to Jesus, and you lose it. You got to lose it. Just like when you lose the car keys and you can't find them, it's time you lose the anger out of your life. It's time you lose the unforgiveness out of your life. It's time you lose the self-defeat out of your life. It's time you become the man and the woman that God has so desired you to become. A spirit-filled godly, holy person that can walk in victory in a dark and dying world. That's who He desires you to become, but you'll never become that until you let it go. And I know it doesn't make sense to you. It never does. All I can tell you is don't try to figure it out. Just step out on faith and trust the Lord. I, among millions of other people, can tell you when I gave my life to Jesus... He gave me a better life. When I surrendered to Him, He's allowed me to live in victory. He's allowed me to live in confidence. He's allowed me to live a a self-healthy life, mentally, emotionally, physically, because it's in Him. So let it go. This morning, you're right. This morning, I have never trusted Christ. I'm going to come today And I'm going to put everything down at the altar and I'm going to let Him embrace me. Let it go. It'll make all the difference in the world. Let it 
go. Father, I ask this morning that you have opened up ears. You've opened up hearts and lives. I pray today that we will let it go. This morning, God, we're going to give everything up. We're going to lose our life. And we're going to let you have our life. Lord, for those who are broken. Father, for those who are just struggling in any area of their life. Today, I pray they'll leave this brokenness at the altar. Lord, they're going to lay that down. And they're going to pick up the cross. And they're going to follow you. Father, we've been hanging on to too many bad things for long enough. We've been searching for the answers in the wrong places. Today, we're going to lose it all so that we can gain it all through your son Jesus. I pray you'll have your way in this place right now. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.